Welcome to another Picture Lock Unlocked episode. Now, this is for the diehards that are subscribed to the podcast. Thank you so much for subscribing and coming back week after week. It's been a minute since I had one of these, and I guarantee you'll enjoy today's episode as I talk with co-director of United Skates, Deanna Winkler. Now, you'll hear part of this interview during Friday's radio episode, but this is the full version. Deanna and I had a blast. Or maybe it was just me. I think I think she did, too. <laughs> Talking about her getting into the industry and then going in-depth on United Skates. Deanna, I apologize. I, I totally, my southern twang came out, and I just butchered her name the whole interview, I think. I said Deanna, Deanna, Deanna. And, uh, yeah, so she, we, she was nice enough not to correct me, but, like, I'm just setting it for the record. Forgot to do that for uh, Friday's episode, but you know what? I'm doing it here on the one that counts. You'll be able to catch this documentary, United Skates, Friday night during the DC Black Film Festival, followed by our Making Black Lives Matter Through Film panel. So I usually give you the end spill at the beginning, and I'll say check out picturelockshow.com for all things picturelock. All social media is at picturelockshow. But since you're a diehard subscriber, I've got one free code to take my online course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker, which you're about to hear a promo for. You can take this course for free right now if you sign up and use promo code DEMO. That's all lowercase DEMO, D-E-M-O. You'll get the $199 course for free if you head on over to PRForTheIndieFilmmaker.com. Now, with this free giveaway, you'll get to join our private Facebook group and get a private session with me to talk about your films, PR, and marketing. So head on over to PRForTheIndieFilmmaker.com. Again, it's just one giveaway, so if you try it and it doesn't work, somebody already snagged it. But here's that promo and then my full conversation with Deanna Winkler on the other side. Again, it was a blast talking to her. Just totally enjoy the film. Hopefully you'll come out and see it at the DC Black Film Festival. Again, Picture Lock Unlocked episode. Thank you, subscribers. Thanks for listening. What if you could have a film critic, film festival director, film publicist, and fellow filmmaker guide you with your film's PR and marketing journey from pre-production to post? I'm Kevin Sampson, and my online course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker, does just that. In this course, I'm going to teach you how to set up your film to engage an audience and build a community long before you call action. I'll show you how to approach critics to make them aware of your film like publicists do. And as a director of two film festivals, I won't just teach you hacks and secrets to reduce entry fees, but how you can use the festival circuit to create buzz around your film. I'm a huge supporter of diverse storytelling and film, and I believe the most unique voices come from indie filmmakers. That's who I've supported over the years with my show, Picture Lock, whether on TV or on radio. With as much experience as I've had as an independent filmmaker myself, critic, publicist, and festival director, I realize that most indie filmmakers just need access to the knowledge that big firms provide to achieve success. So in this course, I'm going to demystify some of the process and give you everything I know and a behind the scenes look at the sides of the business you don't always see. So if you're an indie filmmaker that's looking to change the game with your films, PR and marketing, make sure you check out PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Head on over to PRForTheIndieFilmmaker.com and get a free preview of the course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Get your film seen, build community, and become an army of one. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. And when America's last standing roller rinks are threatened with closure, a community of thousands battle in a racially charged environment to save an underground subculture, one that has remained undiscovered by mainstream media for generations, yet has given rise to some of the world's greatest musical talent in the film United Skates. I have the film's co-director, producer on the line with me, Deanna Winkler. Deanna, welcome to Picture Lock. Thank you so much for having me. 
Deanna, it's my pleasure. I cannot wait to crack into United Skates, which will be playing at the DC <laughs> Black Film Festival Friday night, right before our Making Black Lives Matter through film panel. Uh, but Deanna, the first question that I always start out with, when did you first fall in love with film? Oh, um, well, actually, I didn't realize at all that I wanted to work in film. I just knew that I wanted to have a job that was fulfilling and making a difference in the world in some way. So I actually uh, started out working uh, in political science. And um, I was interning at the United Nations in Nepal and Bhutan um, in that part of the world. And they, um, it, I, I just, um, I felt this disconnect between where I was living, which was actually with Tibetan refugees in their home and learning the language, uh, and my bosses who lived behind uh, closed gates and drove big SUVs and didn't speak the language. And I just thought, this this isn't connecting with the people and this isn't helping in the way that I want to be helping and, and maybe this isn't the right job for me. And right around the same time, um, I was volunteering at an orphanage where they asked if I would shoot a promotional video to help them raise money for the school. And um, I said, oh, I, I don't have any idea how to how to do that. And they said, but you're American. Don't all Americans know how to make movies? <laughs> so I, um, I, uh, I just said, well, you know, I can try. And I ended up shooting them a short, a short promo film that raised them an awful lot of money. And I thought, hey, uh, there's something to this. Maybe there's a way that I can combine my love of, of art that I've always had with, with making a difference. And that was kind of when I shifted gears and, got into social issue filmmaking. You know, I, I always find it interesting asking that question to uh, documentary filmmakers, and like you said, especially those that are interest, interested in uh, social issues and um, how generally it seems like you guys are never like f filmmakers to begin with, but you found that film <laughs> was a good way to, uh, you know, tell stories. And um, I think there's something about film that... It's universal. Like everyone has seen a film in their lifetime. And, you know, um, I think it's also a great way of giving you medicine with a little bit of a spoonful of sugar. So I find that fi sugar, fascinating. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they say that there's no more powerful moment than right when the lights come up at the end of a good film. It's when people are, you know, really in their heart. They've either been taken on a journey and care about the people they saw, care about the world that they learned about. Um, and it's a moment that you can really take advantage of to, to create change. So, Oh, man, you're, you're talking about one of my favorite parts. I, I mean, between, you know, the lights going <laughs> down and then, like, the lights coming up, like, those two moments are really magical. And especially, like you said, if, if it's mm -hmm. a great film and everybody is clapping Right. Um, it just lets you know, man, there's something really here. So if you could, Deanna, um, yeah. let's get your backstory. Like, how did you break into the industry? I think you kind of hit that already, but maybe you could just mm. talk about in terms of United Skates. When did you decide that, hey, I want to make this film? Sure. So w when I came back from living abroad and decided I wanted to work in film where I had no uh, background at all, um, I decided actually to, to um, that I wanted to, you know, learn how to do it properly and go to school for it. But I had too much debt from uh, undergrad and couldn't afford to go to film school. So <laughs> I, I give yes. this tip to everyone that um, education is free in Europe. All you have to do is learn the language. And so I actually um, moved to France as an au pair, as a nanny for a French family. And um, over that year, I learned French, got fluent, and then went to film school there for free. <laughs> so, Oh, my uh, gosh. Stop. I, uh, Wait, pause. Yo, <laughs> dropping jewels. <laughs> Deanna Winkler, that, that, that is incredible. Wow. So you learned <laughs> French in one year. Yep. Yeah, I worked my butt off. I didn't speak 
any, I could say my name is Diana. That's it. When I got there. <laughs> wow. So uh, yeah, it was it was it was a really hard year. But you know, the family I lived with didn't speak English. The kids I was nannying didn't speak English. So um, it was a crash course. You learn quick when you have to. Uh, and uh, it's the same in Germany, Spain, Portugal, Sweden, all all of Europe. So a way to break the system if you can <laughs> get yourself to Europe. I got <laughs> it. for free. But uh, so I came back to the States after um, having lived a really long time abroad between Asia and then uh, France. And um, I got an internship uh, pretty quickly at the Sundance Film Institute in Los Angeles. So um, I worked for free five days a week full time. Um, and then worked on the weekends as a celebrity nanny to pay my bills. Uh, and then uh, quickly got hired actually by Sundance and became a full-time staff member. And from there, um, I think I worked there for over five years to work my way up um, within the documentary film department. And basically what they do is they give grants and support and help to filmmakers like I wanted to be, uh, who are making a, making a difference in the world and making great films. And so I, I learned while I was there, you know, what gets funding and why and what makes a great film and why and how to be a responsible filmmaker. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I actually think I learned more in that internship than I did in film school. Um, and uh, from there, I actually got hired by the Tribeca Film Institute in New York. So I, f I moved from L.A. to New York and um, did a similar job, but on the narrative side. So I worked um, with Tribeca All Access, and uh, um, my job primarily was looking for underrepresented filmmakers, people of color, women, LGBT, um, and supporting them and helping them to learn how to make a great application and a great film so they could get uh, funding and, and money. And, and, and at some point I just thought, you know what, a lot of years have gone by where I've been supporting the arts, supporting these filmmakers and these great projects, but I've never made one on my own. And if I don't try now, then it's going to be too late. So I actually um, left Tribeca, um, became a broke, struggling artist with no health insurance and uh, <laughs> wow. made <laughs> made United Skates, which was my um, first ever feature film. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I'm definitely uh, just in awe talking to hustler and fighter, <laughs> the co-director and producer <laughs> of United Skates, Deanna, Deanna Winkler. Deanna, oh man, I, I, let's, let's get into United Skates because we only got so much radio time. <laughs> However, you know, I, we were talking about this off air and I was just saying how like I love to kind of get backstory on uh, the filmmaker because it helps me to appreciate the film that much more. And so the uh, quality and care that went into creating United Skates and just hearing your story, um, that's that's really inspirational. So, folks, you got to come check out United Skates uh, Friday night right before our Making Black Lives Matter through film panel. Um, you don't want to miss it. Oh, man. So, yeah, Deanna, let's get into United Skates. Um, in your own words, uh, just let the audience know what it's about and what inspired you to create the film. Well, um, it's a jam-packed film. It's about a lot of things, but, um, you know, overall, it's really uh, a look at the celebratory and beautiful world of African-American roller skating. Um, I did not plan to make this film. I'm not black and I don't skate. <laughs> and so there was, you know, really nothing uh, that made sense about me being the person to make this film. Um, and my co-director, Tina Brown, who's not on, on um, with us today, but she's um, uh, Vietnamese-Australian. So once again, no connection. <laughs> uh, and uh, we, were, we were making a different film, actually. We were uh, shooting uh, some of the roller skaters in Central Park who um, are uh, a bit bit older they they skate to um, more disco music some of them have mullets some of them balance water bottles on their heads like it's a really entertaining um kind of slice of life subculture about 
this what we thought was the end of the era of roller skating. And when these guys go, uh, that will be it. And so uh, one day when we were filming out there, these younger skaters came up to us and asked what we were doing with our cameras. And we said, we told them and they said, skating's not dead. It just went underground. And if you want to see legit skating, you should follow us uh, to a skate party and we were like a skate party what's that and but we followed them on an overnight bus to richmond virginia from new york city and uh when we got there it was the middle of the night and there were over a thousand people at this tiny roller rink and the line was around the block they had their own music their own fashion their own skate styles and um and we, we were just blown away by what we saw and you know actually at first um going back to what i said before about how deeply it has been ingrained in me to be a responsible filmmaker um and am i the right person to be telling this story everything in me said i was not and so you know we actually put our cameras down and we just very humbly were you know grateful to be in the space and grateful to meet these these um people and we started talking to these skaters and everyone we talked to was from somewhere else. There was someone we spoke with from Philadelphia, from Atlanta, from Baltimore, from New York, from LA. Um, and we said, how, how did you all know to get here? And, and what is this? And, and, and basically we just started learning that um, all of their local rinks are closing in all of these cities. And this is a, a culture that has gone on for generations and generations and evolved and grown and, and um, you know, each city has its own unique skate style, its own unique music, its own unique history, um, and they're all uh, at risk of disappearing. And so one way to hold on to the tradition and the culture was to have these meetings where they would all come together uh, once a month, sometimes even more than that now, at a different rink in a different city and, and um, connect with each other. So um, we had stumbled into one of those uh, magical evenings, and that was kind of... Uh, the beginning of our adventure. <laughs> you know, uh, Deanna, your story is almost like, like this is, I don't know, you know how sometimes this is what you say, you couldn't put this in a movie, you couldn't write this. Like, the, <laughs> the fact, man, uh, I'm still getting over the fact that, you know, you became an au pair just so that you could learn filmmaking in France, not knowing the language. <laughs> and now you're just like, uh, you know, shooting a documentary in Central Park. You get tapped on the shoulder, get on a bus to go down to Richmond, Virginia. to shoot. Like this is yeah. it almost doesn't make sense. But it, it's again feeding into why like, wow, United Skates. Like I like it even more now. Um, so. Uh. So, yeah, like so one of the things I wanted to talk about in, in terms of the film and the reason that um, I felt that it needed to be. Uh, the the showcase film before our panel is um, one of the things that you do is not only is the film entertaining the cinematography is amazing you know a slow motion focusing on footwork and you know all the different uh, cool skating tricks that uh, these skaters are doing but it also tells a, a story and that story being that you know how much the skating rinks meant and in some ways mean to the communities that they exist in. Um, and so could you kind of, as you've been doing, kind of let the audience know as well as myself, like when along the journey of creating this film, did you realize, wow, like these skating rinks mean a lot to these people? I mean, obviously if you said like folks from, you know, all over the country were coming to Richmond, Virginia. Maybe that was when it was. But at what point did you notice and realize, yo, this is like bigger than I thought? You know, it's a really good question because as a filmmaker, you're looking for a project that isn't just, um, you know, a shiny, beautiful object, but has depth and meaning and importance. And when we first saw um, this, amazing world of skating we thought you know wow this this is something beautiful to watch but is there a story there is there you know in my case a social issue that i could get behind behind this beauty um and uh it was actually only when the skaters uh, it was a collaboration from the start with the community we, we we wouldn't have made this film unless it was with the support and um 
and collaboration of, of the skaters themselves. But um, what started happening was uh, each city that we would travel to to learn about the uniqueness of that city and that history and that culture, um, the skater would say that we spoke to would say, oh, well, our night is on a Thursday or, you know, in Ohio, our night is on a Tuesday or in the city, our night is on a Friday. And we said, what do you mean your night? And uh, basically what we realized is that they meant black night and that all of these rinks that we were going to were still segregated and they weren't called that anymore. They're now called code words like soul night or R&B night. Um, and then white nights are called things like top forties night or family night. And um, we, we, we just couldn't believe that that was still the case in, you know, 20, what was it when we started 14. <laughs> um, and so we, uh, we just started digging deeper from there. And that's when I started to learn that, um, you know, after this, um, the civil rights movement, when laws were changed and uh, spaces were forced to integrate, you know, just because laws are made doesn't mean that the people are ready for them. And, um, and so, of course, a lot of white flight started to happen um, in public swimming pools. They all got closed down. And that's when, you know, backyard swimming pools began to come out and uh, amusement parks started to close down. People didn't want to dance together. They didn't want to. I actually found out that fake news has been going on a very long time um, because we did a really powerful interview with a woman who who isn't actually in the film, but who gave us a lot of insight, uh, who shared that um, you know, there were there were all of these reports of, of African-American men raping white women or of, of African-Americans having diseases that would get in the pools or things like that. And then, you know, of course, none of it was true, um, but it was it was fear tactics. It was fear tactics to scare people and keep people separate, um, much like today. So um, anyway, I digress. But but um, the the um, the time in history when all of these spaces started closing, these public swimming pools and amusement parks because of white flight, roller rinks uh, saw the trend and didn't want to be closed down in the process as well. And so they decided to keep their nights separate. And um, that was when um, the, the changing of the name started happening to have nights, you know, very clearly signifying black nights versus white nights. And if African-American skaters went on a white night, they'd be told they didn't have their size roller skates. They Sometimes they would actually hire white thugs to trip them, hurt them, get them off the floor. And uh, if the black skaters would push back and, and say, you know, this guy tripped me or did this thing, they'd say, see, when African-Americans are in the building, there's violence. And it just, you know, perpetuated the stereotype. And so ultimately what happened was Black night stayed black and white night stayed white and two totally different cultures emerged. And um, today uh, there isn't a whole lot of skating in white culture. There's a little bit of derby, but that's not really the same and a little jam skating. But mostly it's just a throwback disco party on wobbly rental skates if they go to the rink. But if, you know, on, on these black nights, it, this culture has not only continued, but grown and evolved and become something so beautiful and uh and yet on um on white nights there's no no policing as well which we noticed and on black nights there was always cops um you know uh, metal detector tests at the door all, all kinds of things that were not on the other nights and so uh that was kind of when we really realized that there's a whole lot going on inside these roller rinks um besides the skating itself and um you know tina and i just really became uh, investigative journalists and tried to reveal, like you said earlier, the, the sugar with the medicine, the, the sugar being in this case, the, the, the beauty of this, this world and the celebration of the skating. And then of course the medicine being that in a way this film is roller skating is just a metaphor for, um, you know, racism in America and in the many, many spaces that are going through similar problems right now. 
All right, uh, so Deanna, it's official. Uh, I'm gonna have to carry this over into a picture lock unlocked interview for the podcast. Uh, right now, folks, you're listening to <laughs> Picture Lock. I'm talking with the co-director, producer of United Skates, Deanna Winkler. Guys, as you can tell just from what she said, this documentary uh, is very important. It's very powerful. We hope that you definitely come out uh, to the DC Black Film Festival and check it out tonight. Uh, August 17th, it'll be right before our Making Black Lives Matter through film panel. Uh, Deanna, if you could, uh, for the radio audience, uh, how can folks follow the film uh, as well as find out more about it online, social media? Sure. So we are frantically trying to keep up with all of the screenings uh, <laughs> coming up this fall. We have overlapping screenings all through September, October, and November, both in the U.S. and abroad. Uh, you can find all of that on our website, which is unitedskatesfilm.com, uh, and then click on screenings, and all of the screenings are there. If you want to get involved, you can reach out to us. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Um, and we are trying to uh, create a small movement. Actually, uh, we're going to be screening during the uh, Congressional Black Caucus as well in September, we hope. Um, and during that time, we're going to be speaking with uh, a lot of different members of Congress who can hopefully help to protect these roller rinks from continuing to close. So if you want to be a part of the rally, if you want to hold a protest sign, come find us, come join us. We need all the bodies we can. Awesome. Co-director and producer Deanna Winkler of United Skates. Deanna, thanks so much for coming on Picture Lock. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, folks. Uh, if you uh, subscribe to the podcast, you can hear the full-length interview with Deanna um, so, Deanna, we're going to jump in. Do you still got some time? Yes, sure. All right. So let's keep this thing going. Um, this is for the Unlocked podcast, podcast version. Um, man, I, I find it fascinating uh, what you said in terms of becoming investigative journalists uh, for this film um, mm -hmm. and just noticing and seeing how on one night, you know, metal detectors uh, are used. And on another night, you know, people just come as they are. And even the fact that one night is called family night versus soul night, um, man, that, that that hurts me to my soul, honestly, because I just think, like, yeah. man, why, 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 why? And so I think as you were saying, you know, um, uh, skating rinks and, and the, the story um, just becomes kind of a part of the backdrop uh, to a deeper issue. And I think that this issue, you know, you could extrapolate, extrapolate you know, United States itself um, to, you know, just our current political climate and how we interact with one another. All right, folks. So, uh, again, this is part of the Picture Lock Unlocked podcast. Uh, as things tend to happen, uh, we had some kind of technical difficulties with the Tascam and the recording. So I don't, I honestly don't know what part we stopped at. Um, and uh, I, I was getting into, um, you know, what your quote, Deanna, about um, being investigative journalists and the fact that, you know, you notice that, hey, metal detectors were used on one night, it wasn't on another. And I was just saying how I thought that, you know, it really does hurt my soul that that's, um, you know, the state of the world and that's the world that we live in. And honestly, that's in part why I started the DC Black Film Festival so that we can, you know, highlight cer cer those things, you know, within um, a film like yours or, you know, just having representation because I think that everyone needs representation. And I do think that we need safe spaces to talk about these issues. So that's why I'm so excited mm -hmm. that United Skates is going to be playing before our Making Black Lives Matter through film uh, panel because I definitely think that the film represents um, that, you know, the whole panel and everything that w it stands for. Um, and so I think, uh, where were we going with it? Um, I wanted to just, add, oh yeah, that's what it was. We were talking about how, um, you know, pre-movie, you know, the lights go down, post-movie, the lights come up. And one of the things that I love is in an intro to a film is if the music is banging or, you know, they play that old classic uh, music. Like I can still, uh, I think it's uh, Love and Basketball, um, it's, uh, oh man, what's the song? It's like, 
and it's love will make you do right or whatever. Like the way that that music comes over the credits, it just like puts you into a certain mood. Um, and so I wanted to talk about your music in the film because it's like another character uh, within the film. So if you could just kind of talk about how you infused all that uh, into the documentary. Absolutely. The music in this film was a complicated beat. We, I think 80% of the <laughs> film has, has some kind of score under it. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, what we ended up doing was there were so many different um, types of music that had to be brought to the film. First, there was the actual music that's played in the rink, which changes depending on which region you're in, which part of the country you're in. And we wanted to make sure that if we were filming in Chicago, that it was authentic Chicago skate music playing in that rink, which is different, again, from New York or L.A. or other cities we were in. So um, we actually worked with a skate producer who is one of the best skate producers I think that's out there. He does amazing work, makes original music, um, and he he uh, not only gave us... Um, full access to previous songs that he had written for the rink particularly, but then also um, collaborated with us on some original score. Uh, so he was one of the three prongs of the, of the music um, team. And then also we had a great composer, uh, JB, who I met because our film got selected to be a part of the Sundance Music and Sound Design Lab, which is a uh, absolutely phenomenal program. They fly you uh, to Skywalker Ranch in uh, Napa Valley. And wow. I don't know if you've heard, but it is a compound, just miles <laughs> and miles of acreage. And um, the only other movie that was uh, being worked on at the time when we were there was Star Wars. And so we were, you know, nice. being taught how to how to sound mix and you know work on the music of our film, and literally you could hear on the other side of the wall, like, woo, woo, <laughs> from the Star Wars uh, scene. Uh, so that was that was a, definitely a mind blowing moment. And and while I was there, I met JB, who was one of the. Um, staff and uh we just hit it off right away and he he threw his arm around me and he goes you you know you realize right that that uh, the composer of your film has to be black <laughs> and i said <laughs> yes jamie i did realize that thank you <laughs> uh but so we uh yeah so he he started collaborating with us and he he uh, created uh most of the score and then also um my father is a pretty great musician, and uh, I grew up my whole life listening to, falling asleep to him playing the piano in the other room, and uh, he's, he's played with the Grateful Dead. He taught Bette Midler how to play the piano. He's a, um, kind of just like a humble doctor that lives, I'm from Hawaii, so he, he uh, lives on this tiny island as a doctor with, with all this um, untapped potential as a musician and uh and so we had been wanting to collaborate on something together as a father-daughter so um, we brought him in to collaborate on scoring as well so a lot of the kind of um like beautiful piano uh scoring is, is him as well and jb did, did did as well so there's they were a great uh combo team uh along with kizo kane the music the skate music producer. So between the three of them, I think I really pulled the best out of out of each of them to to bring a sound score that was three dimensional and um, yeah, like you said, another character in the film. Yeah, Deanna, you know, like oh man, you got me tearing up over here just thinking about the father daughter <laughs> combo. I have a, a daughter, Ella. She's about to be <laughs> six in September, and. Man, I always talk about all the time how, like, I can't wait to collaborate with my kids in film. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they become veterinarians. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but it would be so much fun to do something like that. And so, you know, my point is, um, you know, there's a lot of love and care, I think, that goes into this film. And I think that, you know, hearing that backstory is, like, that's a, another portion of the love that got sprinkled in. You know how, like, when... Um, Folks talk about how, like, food that tastes really good is generally, if it's made with love, it just tastes really good. Mm -hmm. I think that can be said about film. Like, 
the films that are really good are made with love. Not that you can't make a good film without like being passionate about it and having great co- collaborations, but I think those films that are, are are created from a really great place like that really stand out, and that's the case with this film. What a beautiful analogy. I love that. <laughs> Well, okay. So, uh, yeah, thank you. And let's let's also talk about another part of it. Some celebrities are sprinkled in throughout the the documentary, and I think it's re- really cool that you know you you had these celebs, but also I think one of the things that the film talks about is how uh, a lot of you know hip hop superstars you know s- started out in the skating rinks. Can you talk a little bit about um, that correlation? Sure. So. Um at the very early days of hip hop and rap, uh, they the, those musicians were being shunned everywhere they went, both by um, white and black culture at the time. They weren't being allowed to play on the radios. Um, they weren't able to get into large venues. They, um, you know, they were seen as not not a true form of art. And so the only places that they found that were large enough to hold large amounts of people to to, uh, to perform for were roller rinks. And somehow I didn't know about this. And I'm like, how is this not more well known in our in our world that um, all of these legends actually started performing inside a roller rink. So we, we started digging deeper and we found out that everyone from Salt and Peppa and, and uh, NWA, a few saw straight out of Compton, they, it's actually in the film that their first performance was in a roller rink in Skate, called Skateland. Um, I found out that Nelly actually wrote his first album in the basement of a roller rink in St. <laughs> Louis. Um, of course, yeah. That's Chance crazy. The Rapper has a song in his last album about growing up in the rink um, in Atlanta. Of course, that was a huge mecca for, for artists T.I. and Outkast. And, right. Um, just, just Jermaine Dupri, so many of them. So, um uh, yeah, it, it, we we knew that we wanted, you know, one of the goals of the film was to show that this little old roller rink has done a whole lot uh, throughout the years, for, whether it's, you know, a, um, during the civil rights movement and, and there was a huge fight for access to space happened inside of roller rinks. One of the very first sit-ins in the country was actually a skate-in in a roller rink in Chicago. Um and so, you know, we wanted to make sure that the civil rights fight was a part of it, but we also wanted to show how um, it was such a, a, a beautiful incubator for a lot of artists and musicians that felt safe and had a place to go and perform. Um, and uh, so in this case, we thought, you know, God, it would sure help our documentary if we could get one of these artists to speak about this. Uh, you know, um, Queen Latifah, she she did her first ever West Coast appearance in a roller rink in, in L.A. Um, we heard a lot of these artists would just do a tour. They would just go from rink to rink in city to city all over the country uh, performing. And so we tried, we tried for years to not only um, get a hold of some of these great artists to speak, but us as little documentarians don't hold much weight and... Uh, and then um, on top of that, we were trying to find any archival footage. And every city we went to, everyone we asked, they said no one had cameras back then. No one could afford a camera back then. You know, there's there's no footage. And so we, we did end up finding some um, some footage of Queen Latifah's first performance. I think she was 16 uh, in the rink in L.A. And uh, we were able to license that. It was a lot of money, but uh, we did it. And uh <laughs> um, so we we do have that we we um, we and then actually I, I I'm I'm jumping all over the place but after our premiere at Tribeca um, a man came up to me and introduced himself as um, the rink owner in Bergenfield New Jersey where um, a lot of the early New York and New Jersey artists got their start. It was the rink that allowed them all to perform. It's where Naughty by Nature performed. It's um, where Salt and Pepper performed. Um, uh, and uh, he said that, he's like, why didn't you contact me? I have all the footage of all of those performers. Oh, wow. And uh, we had contacted the rink, but the rink is gone. It's now a Sears. Um, <laughs> and we had contacted someone who was someone, but we never got to him. And uh, anyway, so now we know there's a treasure trove more footage if we ever uh, 
do a 10-part series or something like that, which we are hoping to do down the road. Um, but yes, so so in the, in the in the very last minute when we had already gotten into Tribeca and we had already pretty much finished the film where we had cut these like um, space holders where we just put a title card that said uh, artist to speak here and we just prayed that we would get somebody uh, in the in the in the final hour we were able to get Salt and Peppa and Coolio um, and we had gotten Vin Rock from Naughty by Nature early on. Um, through a, through a connection of a friend, and so uh, yes, ultimately, and then world class wrecking crew also came in at the end, so we were able to get some some uh, of the greats to speak about their their first ever earliest performances and and um, inside a roller rink. Yeah, you know that is that's so dope, and I appreciate your transparency in terms of kind of like you know just allowing. Uh, us to hear kind of how the film came together and like you know keeping a space for artists here you know because I think for you know with Picture Lock uh, the filmmakers that are listening you know it's it can be inspiring as well uh, to them that like hey sometimes things come together at the last minute um, which is awesome um, I'm going to tell one random story ask one more question and then uh, you know let you go sure. Um, so the random story is, uh, my wife and I, when we were dating at the time, I think, man, I'm going to have to ask her. I think this was like one of our first, if not first movie dates, we went to see ATL and, um, like, I guess, I don't know if it was like just nobody was there or if it was at the end of its run, but I remember literally we went in and there was nobody in there and I had to actually go and say, hey, we're in here. And they had to start the movie up. Like, I guess they just <laughs> they didn't think that it was going to happen. So anyways, you know, of course, ATL, a lot of that um, that film revolves around uh, the skate rink and skate culture. So, you know, a, a film like mm-hmm. United Skates, it, it kind of it automatically reminds me of that. That's a special moment for me. I'm um, just thinking about my wife and all that good stuff. However, one of the things that I wanted to do to correlate and uh, bring this random story back to United Skates is uh, how do you shoot a film on on roller skates or like catching people riding around the rink? Because like that's one of the things that I loved about like ATL and this film is like you're able to kind of like be in the rink with them as like they're doing it and they're doing it to music. Like what does that look like as a filmmaker? (laughs) <laughs> well, just the same way that we had a, um, a collaborative team making the music, we had a collaborative team to shoot the skating because it is not easy. Yeah. And not only, you know, are they moving really quickly, but the rink is usually jam-packed. So, you know, you have no space and you could knock someone over or they could knock you over, especially with the camera. And then also it's low lit because it's nighttime in a roller rink. And you're shooting people with dark skin. So you have to have, you know, the lens all the way open. Your your ability to focus is incredibly challenging. So if you add all of that up between the speed, the number of bodies, the, the challenge focusing the camera, um, you end up with a whole lot of crappy footage on the cutting room floor <laughs> to get the goal, right. if, if I'm being completely honest. Um, but, um, what, what we did was, you know, at sometimes, uh, Tina and I would film and we would have a skater push us on, on our skates from behind really quickly. And they would kind of, we trusted them to navigate us through the masses of people. And we would just focus on the camera, keep it in focus, you know, keep, 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 keep the eye on the prize and just don't think about how easy it would be to to have a massive crash right now. Yeah. Um, so we got a lot of footage like that. Um, we also uh, worked with some of the skaters. There's a there's a great skate photog- uh, skate shooter. His name is Travis. He lives in Baltimore, Travis Johnson. And he, um, he had some footage already that he shared with us. And then also we would hand him our cameras sometimes and let him just run with it. And he got some, some of the best footage in our film, I think, um, and then uh, one time we did rent a golf cart and um, we got a rink to let us <laughs> in um, when they, they weren't having a session. We brought in a golf cart um, with a big um, red camera and that's where we got some of the beautiful uh, off-frame rate kind of slow motion 
uh, stuff where we could, you know, really have the rink to ourselves and light it properly. So we were able to do a few specialty shoots like that. And, and I guess the combination of, of, um, of, of handing cameras off, you know, shooting a lot ourselves. And then that, that, um, that one time with the golf cart is how we, we came up with the film. Yeah. Wow. You know, that's, that's hilarious. I can't believe that you were actually shooting, uh, you know, on skates. I was thinking like, you know, it's gotta be some kind of dolly that goes around and, you know, that is, that oh, is no. so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would be, I'd be, yeah. I'd be so afraid I'm going to fall. I, there has to be some footage where like, you know, you focus on like the skater and then all of a sudden the camera just goes up to the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we have so much of that footage. We have <laughs> Tina and I have actually sprained fingers, been taken out, we've broken camera gear. Oh, no. Um we've we've um we've also one of one of the skaters we handed the camera to, it was um it was a night you know, when you get a lot of bodies on the rink and it's hot, it, um there's sweat and so the floor starts to sweat and gets wet and then not only you know, are you already dangerous dangerously skating but you're now skating with slippery spots and uh, he was a very very talented skater I'd never seen him fall in all the years we'd known him and he took out our camera we told him who to follow and we set the camera up and we basically just said if you stay exactly this number of feet of distance away between you and the person you're filming it'll be in focus and you won't have to do anything if you get too close or too far it'll get out of focus again so just try and skate and stay exactly five feet from you know from the person you're filming and 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 go and we 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 sent him off with our camera and he actually had a really bad fall and oh, no. um, a lot of times in in the rink like when you fall then everyone else is going so fast that they can't stop so they hit you when they fall and then someone behind them and it becomes this pile up of uh of bodies falling right. and um he, and he was the first so he fell he pr- he protected the camera bless his heart uh-huh. um and so he took the majority of the hit with his body weight and then everyone fell on top of him and he he came off the floor and handed us the camera and said never again <laughs> <laughs> so uh oh man oh uh... yeah. So our our credit our credit roll is long because we've had a lot of people you know help us along the way to get this film made. Right. Well, definitely can't wait to see his name in the special. Thanks. Oh man, Deanna, this has been so much fun, and I, like I think I could probably just keep going until you know the task cam runs out again. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, just kind of closing out for the unlocked uh, version. Um, what is one of the things that you hope the audience takes away after seeing the film? That's a, that's a hard question. Um, you know, when, when I got into the edit room with Catherine, our editor, um, and we started to look at the 500 plus hours of footage that we had and figure out how to turn it into a 90 minute film, um, there was so much that I wanted to say and do. Uh, I, you know, I wanted to have personal stories with these characters that we'd followed for years and taken us on a journey so that you as a viewer care about the world because you can invest in, you know, individuals that, that, that you can see yourself in or care about their lives and their story. So that was really important to me um, first and foremost. And then around that, you know, how do we, not only show this vibrant world that exists today and all that makes it beautiful in all these different cities with each of their unique, you know, skate styles and skate music, um, but then also show, as we talked about before, um, the the historical importance of these spaces, of how they were hard fought for during the civil rights movement and of how they, they played such a large, uh, important role during the early days of hip-hop and rap. And, uh, and we didn't even get into how they were actually declared neutral territories in L.A. between Bloods and Crips. And then, um, you know, separate from all of that, I also wanted to get into the politics and show how on these nights they're heavily policed and not how, you know, um, 
a lot of these rink owners have stereotypes of what they assume large numbers of black people in their building means um, and break those stereotypes, of course. And then, um, you know, also to to uh, come out at the end and say, hey, these rinks are actually in jeopardy of closing. Um, there, there aren't the three are closing a month at the moment and every single one is turning into a Home Depot or a Walmart or a, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue. And, uh, and, uh, what do we do about it? And how do we, how do we not only walk away understanding that this is a, a deep and rich community of tens of thousands of people, if not more that we now care about and that we understand why and how deeply back it goes in history of why to care about it and then also of how important it is still still right now. Um, and that's a whole lot to jam into 90 minutes. And um, everybody told us that it was impossible. They told they told me that I was trying to make a mini series that I was trying, you know, <laughs> that I, I need to pick pick what I want to say and get rid of the rest, you know, choose your darlings, as they say, and kill the rest of your darlings. And, and, um, so I kept listening to them because this was my first film and, uh, it's okay. Let's try not having, you know, the political social justice part with the, with the policing and all of that. But no, you gotta have that. And then, okay, well, let's get rid of the history and the importance. Well, then there was no depth to what the world was or any, anything we tried to get rid of. Um, just didn't feel like the film was as rich as it was supposed to be and so it actually took us two years in the edit room of working full-time Catherine and I um, me you know writing it transcribing it doing the structure and Catherine editing around the clock and um, and uh, we did come out the other side able to get it all in and prove everyone wrong and so um, that being said, it's really hard to answer your question because there's a lot that I want people to walk away with, you know, from from caring about about this community and the people on the screen to um, taking away that this is a metaphor for a lot that's going on in our country and that um, there's a lot that we still need to do. Yeah, oh, that answered your question. <laughs> uh, I, no, you know, uh, that's why this is an unlocked episode. Um, and I, I think it definitely did. And so thank you for, um, you know, just taking the time and, and sticking to your uh, guns and, and leaving everything in because um, I think it, it makes for a really rich documentary. Again, folks, I've been talking with the co-director producer of United Skates, Deanna Winkler. Deanna, thanks so much for coming on Picture Lock. This has been awesome. Thank you so much. It was an honor.